Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, here we go. With the first pick in the 2020 draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Yo, 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 let's do it, let's do it, let's get to it. What's going on, y'all? I'm your host, John June, at JR Football Nerd on Twitter and Instagram. The show is at FF Diagnostics on Twitter and Instagram. And that's right, I'm back, y'all. Yes, I'm healthy, my family's healthy. Just had to take a short break from recording, but we're here now, we're good. Uh, thanks for everybody that may have had some concerns about my well-being, my family's well-being, but don't worry, we're all good here. I hope everyone else is staying healthy. You guys are continuing to practice social distancing. Um, You know, that being said, hope you guys have a happy Memorial Day and that everyone stays safe. But just, you know, continue to enjoy it. But let's continue to social distance. We're not out of the clear yet. Um, But, you know, enough of that. Let's get to the good times, the happy times. As you may already know, the NFL draft was about a month ago. I did the NFL, the pre-draft NFL uh, Dynasty Rookie Ranking show uh, prior to that. But now I figured I would run through the post-NFL draft dynasty rookie rankings. Um, I've had a few rookie drafts already myself. I still have a few more coming. But don't worry, now that we know where these rookies are, we know where they've landed, we can really start to discuss their outlooks over the, the next few months and, and you know, possibly even longer than that, to be honest. Um, so since this is my first episode back in a while, this one will be... A, sh- a short doozy, um, probably about like 45 minutes or so uh, of real content. Um, but you'll get all four positional rankings here in one shot. That's right. You're going to get top five quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Um, and, you know, we'll bring back some more stuff to you guys later, uh, working on some different stuff, um, which we'll talk more about as, as the weeks pr- progress. So um, without much further ado, I reveal my final 2020 Dynasty Rookie Rankings. At the quarterback position, we're going to start off with the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. That's right, Joe Burrow, LSU quarterback, number one overall pick to the Cincinnati Bengals. And again, not much has changed in here. Joe is still my top Dynasty option at the quarterback position. One thing is going to change for me, though. Back a few weeks ago, or I mean a few months ago, um... I said not to expect a lot from Joe Burrow in year one. And while that may still be true, uh, Burrow is actually entering a system that fits perfectly for his skill set when you really think about it. Burrow in his final season at LSU threw 60 touchdowns, had over 5,600 yards, and LSU consistently ran 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one running back, and one tight end, consistently getting all five receivers out into routes. That's why we saw guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Thaddeus Moss, the tight end, um, Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 
at the running back position, all all catch passes. Um, and while Joe Burrow is is going to a team in the Bengals with the head coach and Zach Taylor, who comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree, and last year in his first year at the home ran eleven personnel, a league high sixty seven percent of the time, and that's f- about forty five percent above league average. <laughs> um, Zach Taylor and the Bengals called called pass on 63% of their plays in neutral game script. So, again, one score or less, which was third in the league. So, the Bengals have some uh, some upgrades coming back to the offense as well. Uh, they've got last year's first-round pick and Jonah Williams coming back from shoulder surgery. Uh, that should be an upgrade for the offensive tackle position for the Bengals. They also get A.J. Green coming back from the ankle injury. Uh, they also drafted T. Higgins in the second round of this year's draft to add another big target for, for Joe Burrow on the outside. And then they obviously have Joe Mixon, who's in the fold at running back, uh, who's a capable pass catcher out of the backfield as well. So um, when you consider all that, and then you also mentioned the fact that Joe Burrow is also a, also a capable runner. Uh, the Bengals have since cut ties with Andy Dalton, so his path to playing time is uh, you know pretty much is it, it's all there for him. Uh, and the Bengals are only favored in one game with an over-under of five five wins, so they should find themselves in a good amount of negative game script, which means uh, they'll be throwing more than that 63% of the time, which they were throwing in neutral game script. So um, I think Joe Burrow, he should be the top pick in Superflex leagues. Uh, he should be a top eight pick in Dynasty rookie drafts, uh, but I also think that there's some value uh, in redraft as a QB2 uh, and possibly somebody that, that will stream uh, multiple times throughout the year. Uh, QB2, again, not changing here for me. That's going to be Tua Tunga-Vailoa, uh, the number three pick in the NFL draft to, to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the question with Tua is, is he going to play in year one? I think that you could probably assume that Tua plays somewhere between six and ten games, um, just based on you know history of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, maybe... They want to take it slow with him to make sure his hip is fully healed, because uh, he did have that hip replacement, uh, and you want to make sure that he could probably that he could you know take a hit uh, p- from the pocket. So, uh, Chan Gailey, uh, the former Buffalo Bills head coach, uh, he came out of retirement to call offensive plays for the Miami Dolphins. So uh, he runs a, an RPO scheme that will fit Tua perfectly. Uh, and that's what he did predominantly in his last season at Alabama, and he did it very well. So when Tua plays, he will have some good performances, but I would I would expect a lot more in year two. Um, if I'm in dynasty rookie drafts, I'm probably I'm I'm aiming for Tua somewhere at the the back, maybe the the last uh, last few picks in the first round. But ideally, I, I would want to spend a mid second round pick on Tua. Um, if you're in superflex, obviously, you know we're talking we're talking a top a top a top six pick at that point there, um, but you know two is definitely someone who I think we would expect a lot more from in in year two and year three. Um, then number three on my list is is Justin Herbert again. Nothing's changing from the pre-draft rankings, um, and I'm not as high on Herbert as the football player. Uh, I watched some more film. Of him during the draft process, and I, and I did come away a bit unimpressed. Uh, his ability to to make plays on the run isn't that great, or his ability to ad lib isn't isn't that great either. Uh, and for someone who's such a big athlete, you would hope that he would be able to make these plays off script. But um, you know, maybe 
you know, maybe we're just taking a chance here on the athleticism here, and that's really all I'm doing. Um, it's about a path to playing time and, and his athletic profile here for me. Uh, the Chargers have good skilled players in Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, and then Herbert has the ability to be a good passer as well. So um, he also has the ability to be awful as well too. So, uh, you know, you got to take the good with the bad as we know. With the quarterback position in fantasy, it isn't always, it doesn't always have to be pretty. It just has to be effective. I mean, just look at Josh Allen, right? Um, and Herbert's grade actually in my quarterback prospect model, he's the highest graded quarterback in this year's class. Um, you know, not not by a whole lot, but um, slightly edges out Joe Burrow. Uh, I mean, his college profile was was pretty good when you consider, uh, you know, his statistics in terms of over 10,000 yards, uh, 95 touchdowns, or passing touchdowns, and then to go along with 23 interceptions. Um, and then just the athletic profile, you know, being 6'6", 236 pounds, 10-inch hands. Um, you know, he did run, I believe it was 4'7 in the 40. So, uh, you know, this is a big athletic kid here. Uh, so the profile is all there for him to be able to make plays on the field. It's just... You know, it's going to come down to his consistency more than anything. Um, and then QB4, I uh, actually believe, is is where I had a little flip-flop. So, um, it's funny, man. The Packers drafted a quarterback with their first-round pick, even though they have a 36-year-old Hall of Famer at the position, to replace him with another eventual Hall of Famer. <laughs> That's right. I'm talking about when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, to sit him behind Brett Favre, but history repeats itself here, and the Packers drafted Jordan Love out of Nevada, even though they already have Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Uh, Love is a big kid with a big arm, but he'll have to sit on the bench for at least another year. Um, Rodgers isn't the most durable quarterback, so there's potential for Love to play that way. Uh, Love can be had in fourth round of 12-team rookie drafts, so I think that's definitely worth the investment right there. Um, but you have to also be mindful of the fact that uh, his path to playing time is directly tied to Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, it's not like Eli Manning where you kind of saw the uh, the writing on the wall there for Eli. Uh, you, you know, you, you saw the cliff uh, at the end of his career. And so the path for Daniel Jones was relatively easy. Um, this is a little bit different. Uh, I mean, I, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he slowed down. To me, significantly last year, uh, I think he he does need more help, obviously, uh, but uh, you know I think he's still a good enough player <laughs> to to hold Jordan Love back. I don't think Jordan Love's going to press him. Um, you know maybe the path comes through contract negotiations and uh, the Packers maybe feel like you know they having that first round rookie quarterback uh, contract that which you know we see teams like the uh like the Seahawks in the past or uh, I guess he wasn't a first round pick but the rookie quarterback uh um Dallas with Dak Prescott also cheap quarterback uh the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes the the Texans with Deshaun Watson the Eagles with Carson Wentz like you know a lot of these teams they've they've were able to to build talented rosters because of the cheap the uh the cheap quarterback pay that they that they were the cheap quarterback play that they were able to get. Um, so if, you know, maybe they want to go that route, th there's an option. I think your best bet is if you're the Aaron Rodgers owner, 
Uh, maybe you draft Jordan Love. Um, you know, just kind of hedge your hedge your bet there, and maybe you get that stock split down the line. But uh, Jordan Love is definitely going to be my QB four here. QB five for me. Uh, that's going to be Jalen Hurts. Uh, I know he was he was one of my favorite prospects to watch and to see where when and where he'd go in the draft. I was hoping a team would invest a first round pick in him, but that didn't happen. I was hoping a team without an established starter would draft him in the second round, but that also didn't happen. Instead, the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. The Eagles have since reinforced their commitment to Carson Wentz. They also said Hurts could have a role on game day, but that he is a quarterback. I personally still like Hurts as a prospect, but the landing spot scares me a little bit. Uh, if Wentz does get uh, if Wentz doesn't get injured, he's too good of a quarterback for Hurts to eventually push him out of his job. Uh, now that there is this idea that Wentz is obviously potentially injury prone, and this is insurance, but unless you own Wentz in Dynasty, Hurts doesn't provide you much insurance. To me, he's just merely a stash and, and see, uh, kind of see how his role develops if he has one, um, you know. I would probably take a shot on him in the in the fourth round of a the end of a rookie draft or maybe if you're in the if you have a free agent draft after uh, maybe you take him in the first round of that round um, the first round of that draft um, something along those lines or the first few rounds of that draft rather but um, yeah that's that's where I'm at with Jalen Hurts and it's a shame because I really do like him as a prospect. Uh, you know, my model really liked him as well. If he was a first-round pick, he would he would have um, done came out, you know scored really well. But uh, unfortunately, you know, team didn't didn't see that worth making that investment. But he still grades out, um, you know, right there with Tua Tagovailoa in terms of you know success in the first three years of their of their career, um, and that could be tied a lot to his his rushing production. Um, because obviously, you know, rushing quarterbacks in the NFL or in fantasy, uh, they they obviously, you know, get you get more points for that from a rushing standpoint. And the rushing touchdowns is worth more than a, a passing touchdown in, in standard fantasy uh, fantasy leagues. So um, if Jalen Hurts does have a path, if he can get to playing time, a path to playing time, uh, I still would like him. But that's again, that's just a wait and see for me. Now with the running back position, this this whole thing got flipped upside down, man. Um, <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes from RB5 to RB1, and just like that, the tide changes. Uh, Clyde goes from, uh, like I said, RB5 to RB1, and that's what first draft capital at the running back position does for you. He easily had some of the worst grades in my running back prospect model based on his college production and his workout numbers. But once the Kansas City Chiefs made him a first-round pick, he skyrocketed to the highest-graded running back in my model for the 2020 class. So um, this landing spot couldn't be better. Uh, back in my pre-draft rookie rankings in the episode, I said if given an opportunity uh, to produce right away, then then he would. And Andy Reid's going to do exactly that. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be a three-down running back for the Chiefs. We saw how Kareem Hunt was used as a rookie third-round pick for the Chiefs. So you can only imagine what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to do. Um, yes, I still understand that Damian Williams is there. He's in the fold. Um, but, you know, 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire is is he was made a first round pick. Teams don't invest first round picks in running backs unless they intend to use them. Um, and they also we know how good he is as a pass catcher. Uh, he profiles as a better pass catcher than even Kareem Hunt did when he was coming out. Uh, and he's playing in one of the top offenses in NFL history with with the greatest quarterback in, t- in football today in Patrick Mahomes. So this guy should be the 101. Yes, again, Damian Williams, I understand that. But, um, you know, eventually the cream's going to rise to the top, and that's what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to do for the Chiefs. Um, RB2 for me, uh, nothing changed here uh, for, for JT, Jonathan Taylor. Again, this comes down to landing spots. JT ends up with the Indianapolis Colts, which is a great landing spot for him, especially for when you think about the long term. Uh, right now, we obviously know that Marlon Mack is in the fold as a starter, but the running back position is very fluid and things can change at any minute. Uh, but the biggest thing here is that Mack is entering the, the the last year of his deal with the Indianapolis, Col- the, uh, Indianapolis Colts. And you would have to imagine that the after spending a second-round pick on, on Jonathan Taylor, they don't intend to pay Marlon Mack big money. Uh, it's just kind of way, the way these things will work out. So this next year we'll have the JT show. Um, and JT just missed out on having one of the highest grades given out to a running back by my model in the last three years by not being selected in the first-round pick. He's an athletic freak with over 6,000 rushing yards in college. In fact, he's only the run- he's the only running back drafted since – D'Angelo Williams in 2006 to have over 6,000 rushing yards, over 50 touchdowns, and average over 6 yards per carry. This guy is a legit prospect and needs to go off the board within the first two picks of one quarterback uh, dynasty leagues. RB3 for me, that's going to be my guy, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, He was here before the NFL draft, and he's here uh, as my RB3 now. Uh, He ends up going in the second round to the Baltimore Ravens. And again, this is a great landing spot as he is. He goes to one of the run happiest teams in the NFL. He gets to play with Lamar Jackson, which should help his rushing production. Obviously quarterbacks being a runner that takes another man out of the box. Uh, Now you have an advantage in the run game with your running back. Uh, And so that's always going to help the running back production. And he pro he profiles as the perfect eventual replacement for, for Mark Ingram as a, a back who's who's a physical back who can run between the tackles, also catch the back also catch the ball out of the backfield, but then also has the speed to hit a home run. So I really like J.K. Dobbins' fit here in this Baltimore Ravens offense. Uh, obviously, I loved him coming out of Ohio State. He was very good at Ohio State, um, very productive, and he's going to be in a great spot here with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, like I said, I think he should slide in ahead of Gus Edwards, ahead of Justice Hill, um, and slide in as that, that number two back behind Mark Ingram and eventually take over as the guy. RB4 for me, that's going to be my guy, Cam Akers. Um, gets drafted in the second round to the Los Angeles Rams, and is actually the fourth running back off the board. He conceivably would be the top the top on the depth chart, but Sean McVay is a liar and already started spewing his hot lies by saying the Rams have good three running backs and they intend to use them all. But again, I don't believe what teams say. I believe what they do. And the NFL draft is the one time, you know, you know, we can hear what they say in the offseason, at the combine. We can hear what they say um, before the season. Like, we can hear what they say before games, after games. 
None of that matters. But the NFL draft is the is a three day period, an entire three day period where NFL teams can't lie to you and they tell you exactly how they feel about their team, about their depth at certain positions, by what they do with their with those draft picks. Right? So they can tell you they feel great about Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, who they traded up for in the third round last year. But when they spend their second round pick, which was their first pick in the draft, mind you, as they did spend their they sent their first round pick to Jacksonville for Jalen Ramsey in midseason last year. They so again they spend that first pick in the draft that they have a second round pick on a running back in Cam Akers. That shows you exactly how they feel about their running backs and exactly how they feel about Cam Akers. Like I told you in the pre-draft uh, pre-draft rookie rankings, Cam Akers he's somebody he's got sweet feet. Uh, played behind a bad offensive line uh, at the at the uh, at Florida State University, and so now Sean McVay gets him in his system, his own running scheme, uh, where Cam Akers with those sweet feet should be able to to shine in this one cut zone scheme that uh, that Sean McVay is going to be running out there with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, yes, Daryl Henderson is there. Um, yes, Malcolm Brown is there. But I think Cam Akers is more talented than both of them. Uh, my model actually says that Cam Akers is, is more talented than Daryl Henderson, who was the third-round pick for the Rams last year. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to lean towards Cam Akers in, in, this, uh, in this conversation here. And, again, this is really why I have Cam Akers rated as high as I do. Cause, you know, people are going to ask why I don't have – the next guy on the list much higher, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, you know, Cam Akers, it, it, when you're when you're looking at his outlook, it really comes down to how you feel he'll produce, um, or he'll, I guess, level up to the competition of, of Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. And so I believe that he's the better prospect. I believe that he's the better player, um, and I, I I I believe that he will win that job. Uh, it will be his, and, um, you know, that's why I'm a Cam Akers believer. So, uh, once we get to, so now RB5, that's going to be DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift is my RB1 before the, you know, the pre-draft process. Um, as you may know, again, he was expected to be the first running back drafted. However, he was the second running back drafted. And he went in the second round to a team that has a talented running back, young running back, mind you, and carry on Johnson, who he must compete with for the lion's share of the workload. Pun intended, by the way. This landing spot isn't ideal, but obviously we saw Johnson get injured last year, and he's underwhelmed two years in a row now. So if Swift could siphon some touches, it would be a big it would be a good deal for him, as he's a very good receiver, which we know could help the Lions as they have just Danny Amendola around as an underneath target for Matt Stafford. Um, you know, again, DeAndre Swift, he's a he's a great talent. Uh, it's just also on Johnson's also a good talent as well. Uh, you know, these guys actually profile very similarly uh, as as college prospects coming out. Uh, when you look at, uh, you know, their numbers, I mean, I think where DeAndre Swift had the edge was his – 6.6 yards per carry as opposed to carry on Johnson's 4.8. Um, but I think DeAndre Swift also um, probably has the upper hand as a receiver as well. 
Um, but, you know, these guys are both very good backs. Do not get that misconstrued. Um, you know, so, you know, there's obviously the uh, the opportunity that on Johnson eventually leaves in free agency, but that's like two years away. So, um, you know, you're really, you're really kind of just hoping that uh, Swift can can keep carry on Johnson at bay, but maybe this just current turns into a situation where, um, you know, they just feed the hot hand, right? So, um, you know, DeAndre Swift still a talented player, but in terms of the running back position, right? You know, you're gonna invest high draft capital in DeAndre Swift this year, and then let's say that, you know, he he doesn't play as much or he doesn't get the playing time that maybe you would want to see in year one or that you were expecting from when you, when you spent that, that high uh, draft capital on Deandre Swift. And then next year uh, that value is just going to plummet. You know, look at a guy like David Montgomery, his value is, you know, completely depreciated. Um, you can get David Montgomery for basically for free right now. Um, so, you know, again, I'm not saying that, DeAndre Swift is a bad player. I'm not saying that it's a bad investment. I'm just saying that if I look at if I'm looking at these first four guys, I think the path to immediate playing time, the path to immediate production is there. And that's why I have those guys rated ahead of Swift. Uh, nothing to do with the talent. Love the talent. Like I said, pre-draft, he was my top guy. Uh, I'm just going based off of uh, his path to playing time here. So now let's run through the wide receivers, man. They said this was the greatest wide receiver class uh, probably since the, the 2014 class, I believe it was. That was Odell's class. It was at the 2012 class um, with Odell and Jarvis Landry and Allen Robinson and um, Mike Evans and Sammy Watkins and all those guys. Um, they say this might be a better class, uh, the best class since then, and you know, I'm not going to argue with that because there's a lot of good guys in this class. Some of my favorite receivers, um, you know, enter I, you know, to pick up in startup leagues, dynasty leagues. They come from this class. So, uh, you know, without further ado, let's get it. Let's get it on. Um, C.D. Lamb again has not changed. He's still my wide receiver one. He went in the first round. He went off the board as the third wide receiver, and he gets a, he goes to a great landing spot in Dallas. He slides in as an immediate starter in 11 personnel. Again, three wide receivers, one running back, one tight end, which gives Dallas one of, one of, if not the best 11 personnel grouping in the entire NFL. Lamb is a yak maven, uh, yards after catch maven, and his playmaking ability should translate to the NFL immediately. I could not have jumped up a better spot for C.D. Lamb here. Um, and I know people are like, you know, Michael Gallup and... Amari Cooper and I get that I totally I totally get that but you know as we saw last year with the Dallas Cowboys this was a spread the wealth offense um, Mike McCarthy's coming in here and his offenses usually um, you know had multiple guys getting involved so uh, you know C.D. Lamb I think is is going to be in a good position because he should see a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage with a guy like Amari Cooper a capable guy like Michael Gallup uh, so C.D. Lamb should get some softer coverage, maybe less attention. Um, this should be good for Zeke. It should be good for Dak. I, I mean, I think this is just a great, great all-around um, move for everybody involved. Um, wide receiver two for me, that's going to be Jerry Judy still. Again, nothing changes. Uh, with that, he goes to Denver. 
in the first round, which should be interesting because they have an alpha already there in, in Cortland Sutton, who pulled in a team high 25% of, of total targets. Uh, Judy should immediately slide in as the Robin to Sutton's Batman. Um, you know, again, if you watch the, the the Broncos last year, they ran through Cortland Sutton. That offense um, was, you know, again, just ran through Cortland Sutton. So, uh, you know, I, I don't expect that to change much. Uh, you know, during Emmanuel Sanders' time there, you know, he had a 17% target share or 19% target share, something along those lines. So if Judy can come in and just even take that, I think there would be production there. Um, but I'd, I'd just rather have Lamb, in, in my opinion. But um, wide receiver three for me, <laughs> that, again, nothing changing here. That's going to be Justin Jefferson. Uh who got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. It was widely expected that when the Philadelphia Eagles were on the clock, that their selection would be Justin Jefferson, but the Eagles went with Jalen Rager. Uh, I probably would have taken Jefferson, but we'll see. Uh, Jefferson didn't have to wait long. Uh, again, the Vikings scooped him up, and he'll slide in as an immediate replacement for Stephon Diggs, who was traded to the Bills in the offseason. Uh, Jefferson should slide in uh, immediately as a capable Diggs replacement. He digs leaves behind a team leading 94 targets. Most of that could be attributed to Thielen missing time with injury. But I like Jefferson's prospects, especially when you consider Thielen will be 30 at the start of this season. And he missed time with injury last year. So uh, if, if Jefferson could, you know, maybe not even just this year, but next year, the, the year after, have this receiving quarter himself or just be the alpha dog in this receiver, this receiver room. Um, then I think that you have, you know, a great uh, prospect on your hands. Uh, Jefferson actually grades out higher than both Judy and Lamb in my prospect model. Um, he is not the highest rated receiver in this class, though. That guy we'll get to shortly. But I do like Jefferson a lot. I liked his prospects. Um, you know, I liked what he showed at the, obviously, LSU this year, but also what he did at the Combine. Uh, how smooth he looked, and I think he fits in perfectly as a Diggs replacement. And now, my wide receiver four, that's going to be my guy, Brandon Ayuk. Let's go. He was my wide receiver five before the pre-draft process, uh, which might have been a bit unpopular at the time, but he was drafted in the first round by Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Ayuk is an explosive athlete with an 80-inch wingspan. In my pre-draft episode, I actually compared Ayuk to Debo Samuel, and now these two guys are teammates. This obviously uh, is great because we saw Shanahan try to use Debo Samuel out the gate, and by the end of the season, we, he had a full-time role on the Niners' offense. We can expect similar trajectory for Ayuk in year one. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is now in New Orleans, and he leaves behind a 17% target share and a team leading 29% of market share of the air yards. Uh, not to mention, Ayuk is this year's wide receiver one in my wide receiver prospect model. And he actually receives the second highest grade that was given out in the last three years. First, uh, the highest graded guy goes to Nikhil Harry, uh, Ayuk's teammate at Arizona State, actually. Third was last year's rookie phenom, A.J. Brown. And fourth was last year's breakout at the wide receiver position in D.J. Moore. So, um the model's been looks like it's on fire right now, and Ayuk grades out as the top guy in this year's draft. Uh, so he, I'm scooping him up everywhere I can. I uh, actually made a trade in our, in our dynasty league, uh, traded 
the rights to draft my number one guy in C.D. Lamb uh, to trade back a few spots, pick up an extra pick in the th- uh, the back the back of the second round, beginning of the third round is actually 301, and pick up uh, Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU who got drafted to the Baltimore Ravens. So um, essentially traded C.D. Lamb for Ayuk and Patrick Queen. We'll see how that one works out. Uh, IDP leagues, got to get on them, guys. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Uh, switch up the values of how you how you you know you you value different players in your league, but um, yeah, we'll see how that one works out. But Ayuk, number one guy on the model, and uh, he's my wide receiver four, and I'm pretty much trying to scoop him up anywhere I can get him. Uh, wide receiver five, and oh man, Henry Ruggs at third. He was the first wide receiver taken. This was crazy stuff. Um, if you had bet on that, you would have made a decent amount of cash. Um, unfortunately, I did not bet on it. Wish I did. Um, shout out to Connor Rogers for, for calling that one out, though. Uh, crazy stuff. Uh, again, that he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, which I'm sure made the late Al Davis proud as Ruggs was the fastest player at the Combine this year. We're running a 4-2-7 in the 40-yard dash. Uh, but as I said in the pre-draft show, this isn't just a fast guy playing football. This is a football player who is exceptionally fast. However, Derek Carr doesn't inspire much confidence in me. Uh, Ruggs will have his his games where he's productive, but I think in year one will be a volatile a volatile uh, year filled with a lot of ups and downs. I can say I'm excited for Ruggs and the Chiefs uh, wide receiver Tyreek Hill to play on the same field because that's a lot of speed. Um, John Gruden, he does know how to use his weapons, so maybe he can get Ruggs involved in other ways. Um, I would expect Ruggs to be uh, definitely, uh, again, like I said, have his, have his explosive games, but um, be someone that can he'll probably have some duds uh, just based on how uh, you know fantasy football plays out, how the game plays out, because he's a guy that can um, you know be out there on an island. You know, taking double coverage, taking guys out of the box, getting, uh, bringing more attention or, you know, taking attention away from guys like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller um, just because he's pulling safeties. Uh, you know, safeties are paying attention for him, for his speed, or corners are backed off of him because of his speed. Um, so, some those are things to consider that he might be helping the Raiders more than he's actually helping your fantasy team. And that's the only reason why I have him down here at five in terms of, of receivers in, in this year's class. Um, you know, guys that I like, you know, I think that he's, as a player, he's, he's up there in the top three, uh, top four, cause I really like Jefferson that much. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I just think as a fantasy asset, I have to put him here at five. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Henry Ruggs, uh, wide receiver five, snatch him up. Uh, I actually, we you know, we saw him go fall to two hundred three in our in our dynasty rookie our dynasty rookie draft. So um, that was interesting to see. But I I had to take Brandon Ayuk. Had to take my guy. So next up, we got the tight end position. Uh, and again, like I said in the pre-draft show, you know, blocking is going to be the most important thing I look at from a lot of these rookie tight ends, especially as they get to develop. Um, you know. Tight end position is one of the hardest positions to learn just because you have so many roles, right? You, you'll be blocking on one play. You'll be catching, running a route on another play. You might be in pass protection. 
You might be lined up out wide, lined up in the slot, lined up in the backfield. So there's a lot that goes into playing the tight end position. It's usually one of the hardest positions to um, acclimate yourself to as a rookie. So I'm going to look for those guys that can make impacts as blockers, so not just receivers, because uh, those are the guys that are going to get on the field. And then from there, obviously, we let the athleticism take care of itself. Uh, so the number one guy on the list that didn't change pre from from the pre-draft rankings is going to be Cole Komet. Um, <clears throat> he was the, th- the 43rd player drafted, which makes him the highest player at his position taken this year. He ends up with the Bears, who currently have old man Jimmy Graham in the stead. Um, Komet profiles as a good blocker and is a is a pretty good athlete at six six uh, with four seven speed. Had a thirty seven inch vertical jump. Uh, his prospects definitely look better uh, if Nick Foles plays most of the games for the Bears this year. In my in my opinion, um, you know, obviously Mitch he could be a good target for Mitch Trubisky, but um, you know, I just. All those moving parts in that Bears offense uh, between Allen Robinson, uh, Tariq Cohen out of the backfield, David Montgomery, uh, Anthony Miller. Uh, now you add a G- Jimmy Graham to the mix. Uh, you know you're adding a guy like Cole Komet to the mix. Uh, I don't I don't see really a, a situation where Mitch Trubisky is able to really, um, you know, take advantage of that situation there. Uh, maybe Nick Foles, uh, you know. Uh, obviously, we saw what he was able to do, what he's done with, with Zach Ertz, and um, you know the tight end, the tight ends in in Philadelphia. Uh, so maybe you know some of that can translate here, and Cole Komet could at least be a red zone weapon in year one. Um, number two guy on the list, and guys, I'm going to be completely honest here. I did not know much about Devin Asiasi, uh the third round drafted tight end out of the uh, out of the University of UCLA. Uh, went in the third round to the New England Patriots. Um, but once the Pats made him the second tight end drafted in the 2020 draft, I needed to definitely do some homework. Um, and Asiasi is a 6'3", 257 pounds, uh, and he broke out as a junior in UCLA at UCLA in Chip Kelly's offense with over 600 receiving yards and four touchdowns. He's a, he's a smooth athlete on tape, and he's definitely got some juice with the ball in his hands after the catch. His size gives him a chance as a blocker, uh, and the Patriots might be transitioning to a run-heavy offense in the immediate post-Tom Brady era. So this could be, uh, this could include the use of heavy use of tight ends, which we've seen the Patriots do in the past. And so I think Asiasi and newly drafted teammate Dalton Keene both have promising outlooks as rookies. Um, Adam Troutman, he's going to be my tight end three here. Uh, he was my tight end three pre-draft. He's sticking here as my tight end three. And Troutman could not have landed with a better team. He goes to uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Troutman out of Dayton, which is a FCS school or one double A program. Uh, he's a small school prospect, so he's definitely uh, gonna have to uh, develop and get used to that NFL uh, NFL uh, game speed. But he stands at six five, two hundred fifty five pounds, and he performed well at the Senior Bowl. And at the NFL Combine, where he ran a 4.8 uh, in the 40-yard dash, 34.5-inch vert, and a very impressive 6.78 in a three-cone. Um, he's a really good receiver, but he you know, has some, some work to do as a blocker. Um, but So I, I think the best-case scenario in year one is that you know this guy is a situational red zone weapon for Drew Brees. But having Sean Payton as his head coach and play caller is 
definitely great for his dynasty outlook. So, um, Troutman, he's escaped me so far in pretty much every rookie draft I've done. I'm trying to get him in the third round. Um, you know, I, anything more than that, I don't really want to spend just because, um, you know, there's you've got to factor in the uh, the time that the, the fact that he might not play immediately. So when you consider that, I I, I can't spend a second round pick on Troutman, but uh, tight end premium, then you know maybe we might have a conversation there. But um, you know, I, I I would I'm targeting him in the third round if I can get my hands on Troutman. Um, Tight end four, that's going to be my guy, Dalton Keene, out of Virginia Tech. Uh, he was my tight end five pre-draft, and he basically earned that at the combine. I had no idea who this guy was, but he impressed me at the combine, during the combine drills, and he definitely must have impressed Bill Belichick too because Bill Belichick traded up in the third round with the Jets of all teams to select Dalton Keene 10 picks after having just taken uh, Devin Asaisi. So that tells you exactly how he feels about Dalton Keene. Uh, Dalton Keene is 6'4", 253 pounds, ran 4'7", had a 34-inch vert, 10.5-inch in the broad jump, uh, or 10, 10 feet 5 inches in the broad jump, and he also ran a 7.07 in a 3-cone. Um, again, these are all good metrics for him. He was used as a jack-of-all-trades at Virginia Tech. He, used, he was played at fullback, tight end, H-back, even played out in the slot. Um, I pre, in the pre-draft episode, I, I guess my analysis, I would have to say, was pretty spot on. I said he's a very competitive blocker, but also a capable receiver, as he showed during the drills at the combine. I always like guys that can block because that's the easiest way to get on the field. After that, the athleticism should take over as a receiver. The round and the team he's drafted to will speak to any potential impact he can make down the line. But as of now, I definitely like his prospects. And now he ends up with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels in a retooled and revamped Patriots offense. So Dalton Keene, love his outlook. I love the prospects. I love the player and the potential here. So he's a guy that I'm scooping up uh, in every dynasty rookie draft that I'm in. I'm scooping him up really late. Sometimes, you know, I scooped him up in actually the free agency draft of our of our dynasty draft. Um, you know, this guy I think has great potential and obviously Devin Asaisi, who's going uh, much higher than, than Dalton Keene in rookie drafts. Um, but, you know, he was only picked 10 picks before Dalton Keene. So, and he was still a third round pick. Yes, the pick was 101, so it takes him out the top 100, but he's borderline top 100 pick here, Dalton Keene is. And I definitely love um, the player and the ability here as a prospect, especially when you consider the team fit. Uh, tight end five for me, that's going to be Harrison Bryant, who was actually the tight end two. Um, Harrison Bryant, fourth round pick out of Florida Atlantic University. Uh, but again, like I said, he landed in a great spot. He goes to Cleveland to be the tight end two. And I know it sounds horrible because you're probably thinking tight end two behind Austin Hooper, who just came over from Atlanta. Like, why is that a good landing spot, John? But Harrison was... Uh, you know, he was the fifth tight end drafted and goes to a team in in uh, in Cleveland with new head coach Kevin Stefanski, who was the OC for the Vikings last year. And last year, the Vikings ran 12 personnel, which is two two wide receivers, run, one running back, two tight ends, 35% of the time, which was tied for second in the league. Uh, first was Philadelphia, who ran it in a, you know, a crazy 54% of the time, but obviously they have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, so that makes sense. Um, but, you know, they ran it 
they ran 12 personnel 35% of the time, and they threw out of 12 personnel 46% of the time, which was also second in the league. Um, but it was also well above the league average. So presumably, Bryant slides in as a tight end two and two tight end sets. Uh, this probably isn't great news for Austin Hooper per se, but because uh, Bryant is a willing blocker and he's light at 243, he profiles as a much better receiver at this point. Very similar to Irv Smith, who the Vikings used as their number two tight end a lot last year, uh, especially when Thielen was out with injury. So I would expect Bryant to have a role, uh, especially as we get deeper into the season. I, I think that we could see that role develop. Well, everyone, that wraps up the final 2020 Dynasty rookie rankings, the top five rookie rankings. Um, so, you, again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. hope you guys uh, really were able to take that in um, and kind of see where I'm coming from in my top five. I know maybe some guys may be a little bit unpopular, but, you know, we're not here at Fantasy Football Diagnostics. We don't we don't care about being popular. All we care about is winning. So, um, you know, if you appreciate what we do, what we're all about, go ahead and leave us, um, you know, leave us a review on, on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you're listening to us. Go ahead and drop some something in the comments, um, you know, if you want to go and do that. Um, but again, we just want to stress, just continue to be safe, continue to social distance. You know, we're strong. We're getting out of this, you know, on the uh, on the on the other side. So um, really can't stress that enough and hope you you enjoyed your uh, Memorial Day weekend or hope you're enjoying your Memorial Day. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And we are out. Thank you.